You are listening to a sermon from the season of Lent at Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, visit us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. There was a happy little accident as I was preparing my homily for tonight. Um, I was intending to use Isaiah 58, which was our Old Testament reading, as the main text for my homily. And I was reading Isaiah 58, and then I was flipping back and forth on a couple of uh, pages of it, and I accidentally flipped back and started reading Isaiah 55 instead. Um, And I thought, hmm, this actually fits really well with this this evening. I I caught my mistake before I got too far, so I didn't prepare my sermon on the wrong chapter. Um, But I still think that it actually sets the tone for what I wanted to talk about tonight, which is I want to talk to you about fasting as we are entering into this season of Lent. And Isaiah 55 begins this way. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Isaiah 55, of course, is an invitation to feast, not to fast. But just by having that invitation to feast there in the scriptures, right before we get to Isaiah 58, which does talk about fasting, it teaches us something about the nature of fasting, and it helps us to understand and set the proper attitude for our fasts. God desires our satisfaction. He desires that you are satisfied, that you are filled His invitation to feast is a reminder of that. And so any thoughts that may creep into our mind that say we fast because God somehow enjoys our misery, they're completely misguided. He's the one who created all the good things on this earth. He's the one that created the things that we're fasting from. Without him, we would not have these bodies that need to eat. Without him, we would not have food at all. Our fasting has to affirm the goodness of God and the goodness of creation, not somehow deny it. But he also knows that it is not the many gifts that he gives us that will ultimately satisfy. It is God himself who is our satisfaction. Even in this passage of Isaiah 55, in this invitation to feast, It ends with this invitation to come. It says, um, incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live. It's an invitation not just to enjoy rich food. It's an invitation to enjoy God himself. This is why we fast. The heart of our fasting is remembering that the ultimate thing that satisfies is are not those things that we grab after each and every day those things that we look to to fill those quiet moments or those moments of where we are hurt. We remember that what we look to for our satisfaction 
is God himself. This is reminiscent of the way that Jesus spoke in John chapter 4 when he met the woman at the well. He told her she was going to gather water from the well and he asked her for a drink. And they ended up in a conversation about why this Jewish man is speaking to a Samaritan woman. And ultimately he says, if you knew who I really was, you would ask me for a drink because I have living water. And She says, I want this. Give it to me. And as they talk and as he is able to reveal that he knows about her life, as she comes to truly believe that he is the Messiah, she understands that what he is offering is himself. That the only thing that satisfies is Jesus. His disciples get a similar lesson in a different way. He's having this conversation while they're going off into the city to buy food. And when they come back, they see Jesus and they really want him to have something to eat. They've just gone and bought food, so they say, here, you need to eat something. And he says, I have food that you don't know about. And of course, the disciples ask, where did he get food? And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus also points that his satisfaction doesn't come from food. His satisfaction is not in the, what the disciples bought and are able to bring back to them. His satisfaction is to be in a loving relationship with his Father, to obey what God has commanded. This is what we are trying to learn as we enter into our various fasts during the season of Lent. As we abstain from things that are good so that we may attain the things that are better. The Isaiah 58 passage that we read does tell us a lot about what those kind of fasts look like. What does it mean to enter into a fast that allows us to be yearning for God rather than just going through the motions in a way that ends up not really bringing us any closer to him at all? One of the things that we see in that Isaiah 58 passage is that a fast, a true fast, the kind that God desires, is never an attempt to earn merit before God. We can see this in verse 3, where the people are asking of God, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? They are hoping that by their fast they can get something out of God, that they can earn an audience with Him by holding on to these fasts. And God says, you've completely misunderstood the purpose of fasting. You cannot earn merit by what you do, by what you eat or what you don't eat. None of these things can bring you closer to me. When we try to use fasting or any other spiritual disciplines to try to bring ourselves closer to God in a way where we're trying to earn merit, not just in it as a way of, of putting ourselves in his presence, but when we're trying to earn merit and sort of earn our way before him, then the very things that we are trying to do to gain life become sin and bring death. Another thing that we see from this passage is that fasting is not just a way to give up sin. Also in verse 3, we see, Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure, 
and oppress all your workers. The people of Israel at that time were fasting and sinning at the same time. They were holding the two things together. They were disobeying God in one way while also fasting in another. It's entirely possible to be very disciplined in your spiritual disciplines, but still be clinging on to sin. And God says, when you do that, your disciplines are not bringing you closer to me. At the same time, fasting is not like you don't wait till Lent to give up things that you know are sin. I think a lot of us who are Lenten fasts are things where we are aware of our time, that we're wasting our time, and these can often be good fasts. But a lot of times, we actually know well before we get to Lent that we are wasting time in a way that is not healthy or good for us, that does not draw us to God. Where we are not receiving our time as a gift and using it for Him, and we try to wait until that moment to give it up. But our fasting is not the time where we give up sin. Just give up sin. Now. Even if it wasn't what you had planned for your fast. If there is something that you know that you are doing that is sinful, don't Try to do that only during Lent to give it up. Just give it up. The things that we abstain from in fasts are the good things that God has given us. Where we, for a time, we step away from them because we want to remember that it is not the gift itself that is the point. It is not the gift itself that is at the heart of what we desire. What we desire is God himself. Because this is the nature of our, of our being as human beings, as sinful human beings, is that we fall into receiving the gifts as if they are the end. And even those of us who know better, who know the one who gives the gifts, fall into this pattern, we fall into this trap, where we take it for itself, for its own sake. We eat because the food tastes good without giving thanks to God, and therefore defile it as it enters our mouths. We take the time that he has given us and we use it for our own pleasure without giving thanks to God for what he has created, the rhythms of rest that he has given us. And therefore we make it something that is not good. We take the gift of sex and we use it in a way that was not what God intended. And we take what was intended to be blessing and we turn it into part of the curse. Fasting is a time to step away from those things, not just because we, have, we are sinning with them, but because we recognize that we need to remind ourselves again and again and again that what we desire, where we find ultimate satisfaction, is not in the things that we have, it's not in the food that we eat, it's not in how we spend our time, it's not the sports that we play. Where we find our satisfaction is in God himself. And so we stop for a moment so that we can remember, that's right, that's not what I need the most. What I need the most is God. Isaiah 58 also reminds us that a fast is not an opportunity for self-pity, to show off to others how much your sacrifice has affected you. 
There's a danger of this in an Anglican church. This was a sermon audio from Christ Our Hope have a discussion Church, around the beginning of Lent. a community of Gospel Hope in Fort Collins, Colorado. What are you going to give up? Inviting you to join us around God's table. And we do so Find in a way that perhaps is not intended to be drawing attention to ourselves, but if we're not careful, now go we can allow that to creep to into our heart where we're comparing, you know, I'm giving up something pretty good this year. Isaiah 58, 5 says, Is this the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? We heard that point reiterated in Matthew, where Jesus explicitly says, Don't look gloomy while you're fasting. Hold yourself up. Clean yourself. Because you're delighting in the Lord not mourning the thing that you've given up. So that is what a fast is not. So then what is a true fast? How do we enter it in a way that is for our good rather than just taking something that should be for us and using it to our our ill? First of all, a true fast is an act of obedience. This is basically the heart of Isaiah 58. If you listen to all the spots that I didn't read here talking about what a fast is not, it's all about how they need to be doing justice. They need to be living according to the commands of what God has has told them. That by obeying God, that that is where their true fast lies. The same thing is true also when we look at Matthew 6, because when Jesus is giving instructions about how we are to have our attitude and our demeanor, he says, when you fast... Not if you fast, or if you feel like fasting, or if fasting is part of your tradition. He says, when you fast, do it this way. If we are to be obedient to Jesus as Lord, we'll fast. And so fasting is an act of obedience. And it's an act of obedience that time and time again points us back to the fact that it is God who is our ultimate satisfaction. That He is the source of all good gifts. That it's in Him that we find our joy. Think of Jesus even as He faced temptation in the wilderness after He was fasting for 40 days. And He was able to tell the devil that it was not bread that He wanted to live on, it was the Word of God. He desired to know so deeply his Father, to live in love and obedience. And his act of self-denial was leading him into that. It also was preparing him for periods of feasting. Jesus got accused of being a drunkard, of going to too many parties, because he knew that his fasting and setting his heart right was also, that, that's part of preparation for going and celebrating with people, of celebrating the joy of what God has given. Our rhythms that we have as a church include both feasting and fasting, and the one prepares us for the other. So when we come together tonight, you'll come to the table You'll come forward twice this evening. The first time to receive ashes on your head, and the second time so that we can take communion together. 
Both of these are moments that actually deeply inform what our fasting means. And they help us to enter into the season of Lent. When we have the ashes put on our head, and the words spoken over us, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is not just a morbid thought. It's actually pointing us to the fact that what sustains us, even in this moment, is God himself. Apart from the breath of God breathed into you, you are just dust. You are nothing. But God has given us that breath of life. Every moment we have is dependent upon Him. And if you know Him, if you know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, it's not even just to dust you shall return. It's then there's resurrection after that and eternal life. What we look forward to and what we remember is that every moment of life that we receive is a gift of grace that God has given to us freely. And when we come to the table and we come with open hands as well to receive the bread and the wine, we are reminded again that it's a gift of grace that sustains us and gives us life. As we eat that little morsel of bread... We are reminded that it's not just bread. It's the body of Christ, that this is what goes into us and fills us and gives us life. This is our call during this season and this time of fasting, to remember that we are dependent upon God, to humble ourselves, to repent from our sin, to fast, step away from those things that are good because we are reaching out for the things that are better. And because of what Jesus has done for us, because we celebrate His death and His resurrection, we know that that satisfaction that we long for, the satisfaction that we desire to have from God, will be given to us. We're promised here in Isaiah 58, it's promised that you will be satisfied. This is our hope. So as we continue in worship this evening, remember your hope. Remember the grace that sustains you. And reach for the one who truly satisfies. This was a sermon audio from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church, a community of gospel hope in Fort Collins, Colorado, inviting you to join us around God's table. Find out more online at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.